Thank you for joining me for worship today. Today is the 21st Sunday after Pentecost. Our order of service, it begins on page 38 in the front of our hymnals with the service of the word. We're going to open right now with hymn number 236, All Praise to God Who Reigns Above. All praise to God who reigns above, the God of all creation, the God of wonders, power, and love, the God of our salvation. With healing balm my soul he fills, the God who every sorrow stills. To God all praise and glory. I cried to him in time of need. Lord God, oh, hear my calling. For death he gave me life indeed and kept my feet from falling. For this my thanks shall endless be. Oh, thank him, thank our God with me. To God all praise and glory. The Lord will not forsake his flock, his chosen generation. He is their refuge and their rock, their peace and their salvation. As with a mother's tender hand, he leads his own, his chosen band. To God all praise and glory. All who confess Christ's holy name, to God give praise and glory. All who the Father's power proclaim, to God give praise and glory. All idols underfoot be trod, the Lord is God. The Lord is God, to God all praise and glory. Then come before his presence now, and banish fear and sadness. To your Redeemer pay your vow, and sing with joy and gladness. Though great distress my soul befell, the Lord my God did all things well. To God all praise and glory. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. We have come into the presence of God who created us to love and serve him as his dear children, but we have disobeyed him and deserve only his wrath and punishment. 
Therefore, let us confess our sins to him and plead for his mercy. Merciful Father in heaven, I am altogether sinful from birth. In countless ways, I have sinned against you and do not deserve to be called your child. But trusting in Jesus, my Savior, I pray, have mercy on me according to your unfailing love. Cleanse me from my sin and take away my guilt. God, our Heavenly Father, has forgiven all your sins by the perfect life and innocent death of our Lord Jesus Christ. He has removed your guilt forever. You are his own dear child. May God give you strength to live according to his will. Amen. In the peace of forgiveness, let us praise the Lord. O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed are they who take refuge in him. Your word, O oh Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Your faithfulness continues forever. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed are they who take refuge in him. Our Old Testament reading for this 21st Sunday after Pentecost is from Isaiah chapter 25, verses 6 to 9, a reading in which we get a picture of heaven with this wonderful, magnificent feast. Isaiah wrote, On this mountain the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats, and the finest of wines. On this mountain he'll, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove the disgrace of his people from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. In that day they, they will say, Surely this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. This is the Lord, we trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. Alleluia, this is the Lord, we trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. Alleluia. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. These words are written that we may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Gospel reading is from Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 to 14. Jesus' parable of the wedding banquet, again giving us a picture of that great 
wedding feast in heaven. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited, tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their cities. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. Go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, both good and bad. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. Friend, he asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. And we'll continue with our next hymn. Hymn number 443. Rejoice, my heart, be glad and sing. Rejoice, my heart, be glad and sing. A cheerful trust maintain. For God, the source of everything, your treasure shall remain. Why spend the day in blank despair, in restless thought the night? On your Creator cast your care, he makes your burdens light. Did not his love and truth and power Guard every childhood day, and did he not in threatening hour turn dreaded ills away? He always will with patience chide, his rod falls gently down, and all your sins he casts away in ocean depths to drown. His wisdom never plans in vain, nor falters, nor mistakes. All that his counsels did ordain, a happy ending makes. Upon your lips then lay your hand, and trust his guiding love. Then like a rock your peace shall stand, here and in heaven above. 
Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God we want to consider today is our gospel reading from Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 13, where the Apostle Paul was inspired to write, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Let's bow our heads for prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, who art our strength and our salvation. Amen. My dear fellow Christians, whose hope and strength is in the Lord our God, there is this old legend that talks about an angel who was sent to Satan and this angel was to tell Satan that the angel was going to get rid of all of the tricks, all of the methods that Satan used to try to lead people astray, lead people away from God. Well, the devil pleaded with that angel and pleaded that, that the angel would allow him to just keep one of the methods, one of the tricks of his trade, trying to, to deceive people. And he said, let me retain depression. The angel thought about that for a little bit and thought, well, that's a small request, a modest request. So he granted that request and, and Satan responded by saying, good, as he laughed to himself and said, in that one gift, I have secured all. In his book that's entitled Depression, What It Is and What to Do About It, Roger Barrett describes this condition, depression, as a miserable, wretched experience that leaves you exhausted, uninvolved, and in deep, hopeless despair. 
There seems to be absolutely nowhere to turn and not one single thing you can do to escape these horrible feelings. You feel doomed, trapped at the end of your rope. It's awful. Depression affects pretty much all people at some times, at different times and in different ways. It can affect people a lot or maybe not so much. It usually affects most people at different times in the course of their lives. It can become a medical condition that requires medication. And so in a sense, what we could say is that depression is like a broken arm or cancer, or like the flu or like COVID, things like that. It is an illness. But ultimately, of course, the best treatment for any illness is the Lord Jesus. But as I said, it can become a medical condition that does require medication. But, but when you think about it, the best doctor we have in this life, that's of course always the Lord Jesus. That's why what Paul encourages us to do today is to rejoice in the Lord always. That's the way out of depression, really, when we can rejoice in the Lord always. And we can rejoice in the Lord always because his peace guards our hearts and our minds, because his word gives us proper guidance, and because his strength supplies all we need, all our needs. In our reading, Paul is concluding his letter to the Philippian congregation. He had warned his, well, he calls them partners in the gospel. He told those partners in the gospel to take note of those living, he said, as enemies of the cross of Christ, whose God is their stomach. He said, watch out for those people. The Philippians the Philippian Christians, they, they lived in a society which was, oh, for the most part, extolling sensual pleasure as the key to happiness. And if you think about it, that sounds an awful lot like our society today, where sex is something that is so important. However, Paul made it clear here that a preoccupation with, with earthly things as he talks about it, that was and is improper for the child of God who he says here his citizenship is in heaven. Critics might look at what Paul says here and might respond that what Christianity does is it kind of takes all of the joy and fun out of life. And, and Paul would absolutely disagree with that as he's telling us to rejoice, be happy, be thrilled in the Lord and to do that at all times. The follower of Christ is not someone who is condemned to a life of doom and gloom. 
while he awaits the final redemption, he's just going through terrible times, life with God is actually a life that is really full of joy. Even on this side of the grave, as we live in a world with its problems and troubles, and just think for a moment, what joy would we really have if God and his Son and his grace and mercy and forgiveness and, and everything associated God with God, if that weren't in our lives? What joy would we have? How would, could we have any real happiness if we don't have Christ? So Paul says here, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. There's no hint in Paul of remorse or self-pity from a man who at this time was imprisoned for preaching Christ. Paul had his troubles. He definitely had his problems to deal with in this life. But he still, no matter what, always rejoiced in his relationship with Christ. And he wants us to do the same thing, to always rejoice in the relationship with which we have with Christ. That's the greatest thing we have in this life. As children of God, we can always find cause for rejoicing since our joy isn't based on the ups and downs, the good times or the bad times that happen in this life, not on the temporary and sometimes artificial happinesses that the world maybe has to offer, our joy ultimately is in the Lord, in knowing that our sins are forgiven and in knowing that the Almighty God is always concerned about what's happening in our lives. And that joy is a joy that ultimately it can never be taken away from us. Well, Paul said, let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. When someone wrongs us or takes advantage of us, how do we react to that kind of a situation? Are we inclined to get angry or to blow up? Our sinful nature wants us to do that, obviously wants us to do that, but let's say we are taken advantage of. Oh, that the grocery store clerk really did overcharge us for some item, or, or that we went to McDonald's and we didn't get all the hamburgers and french fries that we were supposed to get. Sometimes things like that can really kind of get to a person. But if you think about it, why should we fret and bicker about things that ultimately are such trivial matters that pertain only to temporal affairs when our Lord and our eternity is around the corner, something so much more important. And for that matter, how many of us get so terribly troubled by things that will absolutely mean nothing at all when judgment day comes? Well, 
Paul continues, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. It's human nature, we have to admit that, it's human nature to worry because so much of this life is so completely out of our control. So much of, much of this life may be out of our control, but isn't it wonderful for us to know that nothing is out of the control of our Heavenly Father? Our God remains in complete control in this world, despite the fact that as we look at it, sometimes we may wonder about that. So if we're inclined to worry about anything, what God wants us to do here is he says, bring that matter to him. And to do so, it's, he says, with thanksgiving, because as we give our troubles to the Lord, we can know in advance that he's going to take, every, take care of everything for our eternal good. And, well, from past experience, there probably are plenty of times in our lives when we can think about how maybe we were worried to death about a certain circumstance and God made everything work out right for our eternal good. Well, Paul said, in the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This peace, it comes from God. It's the peace of knowing that even though we would deserve eternal punishment because of our sins, yet God forgives us because of his Son, because of what Jesus did for us. Our sins are gone. They're forgiven. This peace from God, it transcends or surpasses all understanding because it really doesn't make sense that God would send his dearly beloved son to suffer and die, to go through hell, to endure the things that he did for sinners like me and you who so often rebel against God and do just the opposite of what God would want us to do. But we have that peace because of what Christ has done for us. And we have that peace that serves, he says here, as a guard at the door of our hearts and minds is the picture that's used here. And what it does is it is that guard at the door that drives all worry and fear and concern away from us and our lives so that we would trust in our Lord and the gracious promises that are found in his word. There was an elderly British minister who had reached the end of his earthly journey and on the morning of what would be his last day in this life, a friend remarked to him, they tell me you did not sleep very well last night. The aged Christian responded, it's true, I did not sleep very well, but I rested gloriously because Jesus was with me. I had a beautiful night.
If you think about his response there, isn't it obvious that he had the peace of God that surpasses all understanding? That that peace of God was guarding his heart and mind, assuring him that even with his aches and pains and everything that was going on, he was safe in the Lord, in his arms, in his care. He may have been in terrible pain, but he was rejoicing in the Lord always. And again, that's what we'll want to do as well. Rejoice in the Lord always. The Apostle Paul said, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about such things. If we aren't to worry about life's trials and troubles, then we need something to fill the vacuum in our hearts and minds and in our lives. And according to the Apostle Paul, what we'll want to fill our hearts and our minds and our lives with well, that's God's word and service to the Lord. Paul said, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Oh, this was when Paul wrote this letter. This was about 10 years after he had first preached the word to the Philippian congregation. By God's grace, many of those people had believed and were regularly hearing the word of God. And well, Paul's admonition to them now was to keep on hearing the word, to let that gospel message be a message that filled their lives because, well, scripture says, God's word is a lamp for their feet and a light for their path. And as Paul told the young Timothy pastor, a young pastor, the Holy Scriptures are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Apart from God's word, it's important for us to realize that there is no way for us to gain or find proper guidance through this life. You're not going to find it on the internet. You're not going to find it in Oprah or talk shows. It's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. And God has given us his word. And we'll do well to look at that word and think of it as this wonderful treasure map with the treasure that's described on that map map as being our, our eternal salvation. If someone were to give you an authentic treasure map, what would you do with that map? Would you take it and hide it someplace or would you look at it and study it anytime you possibly could so that you could learn where the treasure actually was? Most likely that's what you do. Look at it as often as you could. Likewise, what God's word does is it gives us proper guidance 
to our eternal treasure, to our eternal home. So let's study it whenever we can, as often as we can, and, and let's rejoice in the Lord always because of that wonderful treasure that he has given to us in his grace and love and forgiveness and, and in our eternal life. Paul said, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. The Philippian congregation had given Paul a generous gift to support his efforts to spread the gospel, to do the Lord's work. However, Paul didn't rejoice here because he had received a gift. He rejoiced because their actions showed that the Lord was working in them. That's what he was rejoicing about them, that God's word was working on their hearts, motivating them to show their Christian love. And may we, like the Philippians, also be motivated to show that the Lord is working in our hearts by supporting God's work as well. Paul said, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. At times during Paul's ministry, he was quite poor and struggling to get by. And then there were those other times when he was quite well off. But those conditions, whether well off or poor, that had no bearing on his happiness. He had learned the secret of being content as he says here, in any and every situation. And that kind of contentment can only be found in the child of God who knows that in Christ even death would be a gain. Paul said, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Many people think of the Apostle Paul as being the greatest of the apostles. God did some amazing things through him, but, but Paul wasn't boasting here. His boast was always in the Lord, in what the Lord had done for him. He knew that his strength, Paul's strength, was nothing, but he also knew that God's strength had supplied all that he needed and when through faith, like Paul, we see how much we need God's strength, how weak we are on our own, and how much strength and help God is going to give us, he keeps giving us. Then, like Paul, we have all the strength we need. We have all the reason to rejoice in the Lord always. Oh, a story that I've told you before is of a, a wealthy businessman, an employer, who one day heard one of his workers exclaim, Oh, if I only had a hundred dollars, I'd be perfectly content. The employer figured that 
He'd really like to see someone who was perfectly content. So he gave his worker a hundred dollars. But as he was walking away and before he was out of earshot of the man to whom he had just given the hundred dollars, he heard the man say, why on earth didn't I say two hundred dollars? And see, the boss smiled because he already knew that money couldn't buy happiness or contentment. The things of this world will never offer complete or lasting happiness or contentment. When you're basing your thoughts on worldly things, you can never get enough. There's never satisfaction. But Jesus does give perfect contentment, perfect satisfaction. He can and does do that for us because what Jesus did for us, well, he lived and died for us. He paid for all of our sins. We're forgiven. And in Jesus, we're going to heaven forever. So even now, as we continue to fight the good fight of faith, let's keep on rejoicing in the Lord always because we have Jesus. Amen. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's confess our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's pray. Grant, O merciful Lord, to your faithful people pardon and peace, that they may be cleansed from all their sins and serve you with a quiet mind. We pray through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Lord God, in our prayers, oh, we continue to keep world affairs, wars going on in our world. And we ask you, Lord God, to please give the leaders in our world, the, the, the leaders who are causing the problems, please work on their hearts and, and guide them to do what is right. Protect those who are being hurt. Give us, well, give us the peace of God that surpasses all understanding and, 
and that's that peace of knowing sins forgiven, but give us also and especially, if it's your will, give us peace on this earth, the end of that fighting, so that there are better opportunities for us in the world to get your wonderful gospel message out. Lord God, be with those in our church family, our extended church family, dealing with different trials and troubles. And maybe we'd think of Paula Burris's friend, John Wells, who's been hospitalized dealing with some issues. We think of Stan Krosick, home now after stay in the hospital and, and rehab. And well, as we think of all of these people, we say, Lord, if it's your will, grant healing. But Lord, especially, give us that peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Keep on building us up, strengthening us in our faith in our Savior Jesus so that we really are rejoicing in the Lord always. We gather up all of the prayers we have today as we join in praying. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. We'll join in singing our prayer for our country. God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with a light from above. From the mountains to the prairies to the oceans white with foam. God bless America, my home, sweet home. God bless America, my home, sweet home. Thank you again for joining me for worship today. Just a couple quick announcements to share with you in the congregation this week. Lisa Janicki does have a birthday on Thursday. Oh, told you about Stan. He's home doing a little bit better. Uh, saw Julene this past week. She's doing better over at Island City. Um, well, Please keep all of those who are on our prayer list in your prayers. Um, I did mention John Wells, uh, Paula Burris's friend, uh, hospitalized. I don't, as I'm recording this, I don't know if he's still been released to go back home yet or not. Again, thank you for joining me for worship today. The Lord bless and keep you always.